Coming up this week, off-screen, Jonah Hill and James Franco play it straight in drama True Story. We get the inside scoop on what really happened with Tim Burton's Superman Lives in Kickstarter-funded documentary The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Marvel's latest adventure Ant-Man is upon us. Found footage is the order of the day yet again for the horror genre with The Gallows. And find out what it takes to look like Ryan Reynolds in sci-fi thriller Selfless. All of those to come and more off-screen. This is... This is Offscreen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. My name is Case Allen. We've got a decent lineup this week. Some interesting. It's not stuff. bad. Yeah, it's, very, it's quite an eclectic mix. It is an eclectic yeah. mix. I will say. I mean, we had that last-minute edition of, of Superman Lives because how could we turn it down? How you couldn't? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no. worldwide digital download. That's the thing. Absolutely, so yeah. it's just interesting. No, it doesn't have a BBFC rating. Oh, really? <laughs> so, it's, it's suitable for everyone. I it, it is. I would yeah. say. It doesn't really find content in it. So it would be a PG. I think. Well, Kevin Smith is in it, so it might be a couple of f bombs. Oh uh, yeah, potentially, possibly a twelve A then. We'll maybe, say. maybe yeah. twelve A, like fifteen at pinch. So, should we start with the true story then uh, this week? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Jonah Hill uh, wants to be nominated for an Oscar again. He's yes, got a it taste really for seems. It. So, true story, which, which is the film you might have seen the trailer of, and noticeably in the trailer, everybody's an Oscar nominee. Mm. Literally everybody they name on the cast list is Oscar nominee James Franco, Oscar nominee Jonah Hill, Oscar nominee Felicity, Felicity Jones. Jones. And Felicity Jones really doesn't need to be there, but this is no. based on, wouldn't you believe it, a true story. Hence the clever title. <laughs> <laughs> um, clever title seems to be a thing this week because every title seems to relate to something directly in the oh, film. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's okay. very true. You look at our mm. list of releases, everything, even self, I mean, self is a bit of a spoiler, but... Still. Anyway, so true story is the uh, is the true story, wouldn't you believe it, of uh, Mike Finkel, or Michael Finkel to give him his actual real world name, who was a reporter for the New York Times, who was caught fabricating a story and then let go, only to then find sort of redemption in the case of a wrong was he wrong wrongfully con- wrongfully accused, a supposed wrongfully accused supposedly, man yeah. uh, accused of murdering his family. And then stealing the identity of Michael Finkel to go on the run. Yes. In this case, Finkel is played by Jonah Hill. The man in question, uh, Chris Christopher Longo, 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 Longo yeah. who is played by um, James Franco. The pair meet in uh, incarceration in Longo's incarceration, and Jonah Hill finds himself becoming the unwitting biographer of the man he believes to be wrongfully accused. But as always, there's a little bit more to the story than we're at first led to believe. Here's a clip. What are you writing? Sorry, it's a, it's a habit. First impressions? Yes, first impressions. Hmm. What'd you put down? Brown eyes. That's not very remarkable. Sure, 70% of the world is brown eyes. I guess so. I don't. You know, there's a mathematical technique that will determine how ordinary a person you are. Not just your looks, but your whole life. Really? By my calculations, I'd say I'm pretty ordinary. So, true story. Case, you you, you had the pleasure of this one. So I don't know if pleasure is the word I would necessarily <laughs> throw there, but... 
Did you find it offensively mm. bad? Or it wasn't just... offensively bad. It was just, it was just bad. I mean, it has gotten. A I'm lot not. I'm not flack. even. I'm not saying that it's slow because I like. I like a good slow burn, and I like this kind of. Is he a criminal? Is he the good guy? You don't really know. I mean, that kind of content reminds me of. Uh, oh, what's what's for Sean Penn? Tim Dead Robin, Man Deb, Walking. Yeah, Dead, Dead Man, Man Walking. Walking. Yeah, kind of reminded me of that, especially more. Did you just said Sean Penn, Tim Robbins. You mean Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon, don't you? Yeah, but Tim Robbins wrote and directed it. So uh, uh, okay. I don't know uh, why I didn't say Susan Sarandon. Yeah, you, <laughs> I could have done. Yeah, uh, t- Tim L- Robbins misses. L- literally the lead <laughs> character. Not anymore. You've got to admit that as, as far as like slapping the audience over the head with a message goes. You you don't get much bigger than calling your film a true story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, this is all, this is all at least in the trailer it doesn't say based on true events. There like, is that. I mean, do you remember when Scream first came out? It was going to be called Scary Movie originally, and mm. then years later that became course, the name of the parody. Um, so this is this is kind of conceptually weird. Conceptually, it's like a spongier John Grisham uh, adaptation, yeah. but like not not playing it straight quite as much as a John Grisham adaptation. This is to say spongier, hmm. slightly more popcorny. And that's the problem, because you've got two films at work here, and there is the one that wants to be the cliched Hollywood twisty-turny, is he innocent, is he not? Oh my God, what does it mean for me and my family? You know, the emotional... Talk. Yeah. And then you've got the emotional character drama. And the emotional character drama is better than <laughs> the spongy John Grisham adaptation. <laughs> but having said that, you've then got the performances, which are so uneven. I mean, yeah. Hill, Johnny Hill, yeah. Johnny Hill, great. Thought Johnny Hill was fine in it because he's doing what that version of Johnny Hill series acting that I can take. That's... Yeah, he's kind of perfected it over the last couple of years. Moneyball, it's Wolf the Moneyball. Well, not not Wolf of Wall Street, obviously. Oh God, no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, this is this is Moneyball mode. I would Moneyball say mode, for, yeah. for Jonah Hill, uh, and then you've got James Franco, who I can't tell if he's. Kind of, I can't tell if he's phoning it in or if he's so baked he genuinely believes he killed some people. Mm. And that's... Because he's clearly not taking it that seriously. No, he's just kind of sat there kind of doe-eyed. Yeah, and, you kind yeah. of just feel like he's just, oh, you know, I had a week off, I thought I'd do a film. That's it, yeah. He has that feeling I mean, to m- it. most of his parts just take place inside one, maybe two rooms. Yeah, um, really, just... You know what? Say what you like. Uh, you do some acting. I'll just I'll react. It's fine. It's Basically, the Oscars. Isn't it's it? all the same. Yeah. It is that. But this is what got me in trouble at the Oscars. And then you've got Felicity Jones, who I swear mm. to God, she must be there purely to answer any possible concerns about homoeroticism, because this seems to because it is basically a sort of it's about the relationship between these two guys mm. and. And you know, it's played in a, in, in, a, in a pretty you know straight laced, enjoy you know engaging enough sort of an enjoyable range of performances. But you just feel like every time Felicity Jones has this phoned in part, which they handle in yeah. the same way as like a producer at a restaurant asking for more water. It seems to be like, can we have another girl bit? Yeah, waitress, more, more Felicity, waitress, Bring Felicity, around, please. Felicity, come on, yeah. we need we need girl bit now. Just remind yeah. remind the guys in the audience that there are girls. It's a bit in of a shame, really. She's she's a fantastic young actress. Yeah, I she does her yeah. so much better than this. Absolutely, it's yeah. quite obvious that this was a performance filmed before the hype for Theory of Everything, Everything yeah. began. Well, on the trailer, it doesn't say Oscar nominee. Felicity does, does it not? Does it, no, 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 it just says Felicity that. Jones. Yeah, I think on the poster it might have been rectified now. Oh wow! Well, I mean, this is the thing. It's it's just got these two conflicting films, and you've got those performances in the middle, and the performances, even Franco's, are better than. The mishmash that is the film itself. Mm. The performances are literally the only thing holding holding its head above water here. And that's the problem. It veers too far off course too often. And uh, what's his name? Gould. The Rupert Gould, who's uh, behind it, he's the writer-director on it. 
he just does not seem to know what the film is that he's trying to make. And every time you think you've got a handle on it, it slips off and tries to go in the other direction. So when you think you're doing yeah. the character drama, it goes off to become Gingerbread Man again. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and then when, when you think it's the spongy John Grisham Gingerbread Man style film, it goes and becomes the character. You're like, no, just please stick to something or at least meld the two, and it never quite comes together. No. Not for me, anyway. Well, I would have liked to have seen more of Felicity Jones and Joanna Hill. I would like to see more of Felicity Jones reacting to... To Mike Fink. I would like to have antics, seen Felicity yeah. have anything to do. Yeah, because that that should be why she's there. To be like, oh, you're entering into the strange... And, and it does hint at that. I mean, she she walks in and mm. she, she looks concerned. She but does. I would be more more than concerned if, it's, if it's, my partner was make, getting into this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole... Plus, she seems to live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere for no reason. The story doesn't really make a whole... Was, she, was she like a lecturer or a teacher or something? Or? Never straight up She explained. said something about college and saying I could get an yeah. extension. And it's never quite she explained. seems like a teacher, yeah. Something like that. I think yeah. she's some sort of researcher, PhD, oh, something possibly, like that. Yeah. Should we do some film news then? Let's have yeah, a look, let's uh, Have a look what's going on mm-hmm. in the myriad of cinematic uh, events. So, it's been an interesting week. Have you heard about Michael Sarah? Uh, yeah, Robin. This is great. Oh, yeah. So Lego, I love that. Lego Batman is going to have Will Arnett as Batman again, you know, from the Lego yeah. movie. And then we're going to have uh, his on-screen nephew from Arrested Development, Michael Sarah, as Robin. Oh, that could work. I love this. I want all of the Arrested Development cast to be in it. It would be, be great, fantastic. wouldn't it? Have Jeffrey Tambor as Alfred or something. Exactly. Or Commissioner Gordon or someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would work. Uh, I'm trying to think. Jason Bateman as Nightwing. <laughs> <laughs> Like an older night, yeah. <laughs> older Nightwing, <laughs> like disillusioned, annoyed <laughs> of everything. That would kind of work. Yeah. And uh, you know, Portia Rossi as uh, Catwoman. Cat- oh, this man. is all coming together. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, let's, uh, let's call it Warners. I- Isla Fisher as Poison Ivy. What's not done? Yeah, about? done. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, Julianne Moore's quit um, the drama that she was due to start in a week, which was uh, okay. Lee Israel's "Can You Ever Forgive Me?" That was due to start filming okay. in a week. She has quit. Um, I'm not even particularly sure why. I think it was over scheduling. Uh, well, that's that's the like <laughs> standard. Yeah, Unofficial. Yeah. Have you heard uh, Disney are doing a live action prequel to Aladdin? About the genie. About the genie. Yeah, it's just going to be called Genies. Genies. Yeah, yeah, it's like the very kind of Pixar ish title. Yeah, isn't it? I, I just think that would work as a Pixar movie as well. Genies. Yeah, I, I would watch I would like that. that yeah. But, uh, oh, there was a. This is the terrible story this week that they had to shut down production on the latest uh, Divergent sequel. Oh, I didn't due, hear about this. This was due oh. to child endangerment because a whistleblower <laughs> who was an extra on the set reported right. that they had large groups of children running oh. across a field towards a large group of adults. Those adults charging at the kids with weapons. Those weapons not made of rubber. And, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the kid, apparently they had to swing the weapons and the kids had to duck under the weapon. Okay, and, yeah, not safe. <laughs> yeah, not not safe. And, yeah, not cool, Summit Entertainment. How dare you? I mean, as if the Twilight movies weren't bad enough. You didn't okay, but you like to cut corners, don't we? Well, I mean, it's not like they bothered hiring writers for the Twilight movies, so... Mm, yeah, know, there we are. Uh, Tilda Swinton has confirmed she is going to be playing the Ancient One. Yeah, uh, absolutely on board with that. And I, I had to write my review of Trainwreck this week, because you, you didn't know. Actually, you didn't I didn't know, know Tilda Swinton is the boss mm. in Trainwreck. Because She's got, like, a fake tan. And, this is the thing, yeah. because they showed this to you know all the journalists in London last week... Um, ahead of its US release, so right. all the critics in both the UK and the US saw it at the same time, mm. and our embargo, I think, was more or less around the same time, because Amy Schumer's on all the British magazines now, mm. and the film isn't out until the beginning of September. So I've seen a film and written a review of it uh, six weeks You've before. You've got to sit on it, yeah. <laughs> six weeks. That's almost as bad as Saving Mr. Banks, which I think was two months, oh, yeah. and Kill Your Darlings, which I had four and a half months on. That, that was a good one. 
and Snowpiercer, which so far it's 18 months. But uh, yeah, any time you'd like to release Snowpiercer, I'm guys. And, and counting, even though we've all seen it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you, Netflix. Should, should we just uh, should we just like warn the general public uh, first and foremost that the, the, we are now on a one week countdown? There are something like six days left now until Sharknado Three. Oh hell no, <laughs> is upon us. This is oh, airing on Sci-Fi. Is it 23rd of this month? It's the 23rd. Yeah. You're counting over days, aren't you? I, I really yeah. am. I can't wait for oh hell no, and I really oh, want hell no. I want a copy of that song that plays in the track. Oh hell oh, no. Great. Oh hell. No. <laughs> God bless America. Thank you, Ian Zeering. Thank you. We have an interview with Ian Zeering to go up on the I've heard he's point. the nicest guy. I've heard he's really great. John Dickinson interviewed him for mm. us. And uh, yeah, so we, we were quite happy about that. Yeah, apparently he is a lovely guy. Did cool. you know he's in his 50s? No, really? Ian Zeering's like 51 or something. Uh, Tilda Swinton, 54. Really? Yeah. That woman that, is, that woman is so crazy, well. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced she just leaves a film set and goes back to like a, preser- a, a bottle of preservative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where she reverts to her natural embryo-like state with the face of Conan O'Brien. Hence uh, <laughs> <laughs> for hair. Yeah, hence for quick. So what else we got? Oh, Idris Elba is now officially part of the Star Trek Yes, he was on the, there was a charity video. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Which is a cool way to announce, I think. It was. Yeah. I watched that charity video. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Idris Elba's there. Yeah, he just what? pops up. You're like, what? It's the fact that I think he was there in shorts. It's like... Really, he's taking this kind of care. <laughs> Dude could rock up to the Oscars in shorts and would still let him in. <laughs> really could. You know what I mean? Oh, he's just coolest, coolest news ever. Because we mentioned Sharknado, we've got to mention the Asylum's other upcoming film, which I think we've talked about. Which is this is going to be out in the summer of 2016. It's a film called Dead Seven. This is going to be written Ooh. and directed by Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And he's going oh, we have be, spoken about we this. Have. Yeah, we have. This is going to be a zombie western which will mm. team up members of the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC to fight zombies in the Wild West. Great. What, what's not to love there? I love that it kind of comes in between uh, the release of the Adam Sandler... <laughs> Ridiculous six. Yeah, Ridiculous Six and then the remake of Magnificent Seven. Exactly. It's like so, yeah, fantastic yeah. in between. <laughs> it's almost like they've scheduled a mockbuster way in advance, yeah, yeah. which is kind of clever. Uh, John C. Riley's confirmed Wreck It Ralph 2. That's officially happening now. Yeah, I guess it's taken this long because we wanted to reserve the rights from Nintendo, I think. That, I think something like that. Yeah, they want to get Mario on board, get Zelda on board, I think. Shall we? Well, one final piece then, because this mm. is my favourite news, though, just because it's so out there. Mel Gibson has been hired as the art director for a Chinese war movie. Yeah. And I don't mean it's a war movie about Chinese force. I mean, it is a war movie made by Chinese Chinese studios studios. in China. Yeah. It's called The Bombing, and it's going to star Bruce Willis. It's just... It's going to star Bruce Willis. I think... Very odd one. I think they're just going to get paid so much money. Oh, God, yeah. That's what, Chinese box office. That's big box Dragon though. Blade. Have you seen the trailer for that? No, I haven't. John Cusack, Adrian Brody. Oh, God. Os- Oscar winner, Academy Award winner, Adrian Brody. It says on the trailer. And he's got this big black <laughs> mane. John Cusack's Academy Award winner, isn't he? Did he no, no, he's no. He's a nominee. He's a nominee for no. Golden Globe, not uh, no what, did, Oscar. Did you not guess one for The Grifters? Way back no, then. No, no, he didn't. I don't, I don't yeah. believe so. It was a good film, though. But yeah, John Cusick was playing like a Roman soldier. Which oh, is, I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. On then to our next review, which is uh, John Schnepp's... Uh, John Schnepp? John Schnepp. Uh, John Schnepp. Uh, his Kickstarter-funded documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Yeah. Now, you and I are both looking forward to this for one very big reason. It yeah. involves the fate of the aborted Tim Burton movie, Superman mm. Lives. 
what went on behind the scenes and why we never got to see the true delight that what that would have been Nicolas Cage as Superman in 1998. Fighting a giant spider. Fighting a giant spider in the third act. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hungarian snare beast. Yes, Hungarian snare beast. And uh, this is kind of weird because I never realised until this documentary actually that it was actually meant to be pronounced Thanagarian snare beast yeah. because Thanagar is Hawkeye, is Hawkman's yeah. uh, homeworld. Mm. So it was actually going to be oh, tying it in. So it's going to tie in. Who knows what could have happened? Who, yeah, who knows? I mean, there was a lot of stuff in this film that you wouldn't believe, and they lay it all out for you in the form of concept art, in terms of interviews with people who worked behind the scenes, mm. costume designers, Plot set points. designers. We talked to so many, well, so many people were actually um, kind of hired for this project. It's insane. I mean, it, it is, isn't it? There's got shut down three weeks before it was going to start. That was the story. Yeah. So, should we have a clip? Superman lives, or Superman Reborn, and then Superman lives, and then later Superman Returns, was meant to be kind of like, let's kickstart Superman again in a bit more earnest way. Not the like spit curl and wink of Chris Reeve and, and Dick Donner. They wanted a 90s version of Superman, even though when I was writing, all I was writing was Chris Reeve. I thought Brian Singer's version forgot to like put in action. Yeah, like he didn't get to punch anybody. He punched an island. So the death of Superman lives. This has been coming for a while. We've sort of because it, it was a Kickstarter project. We were talking about it a, like quite a while ago. We were about you. a year ago on Kickstarter. Something like that, yeah. And uh, it's it's been coming for a long while. You got the impression the film was sort of already in production before the Kickstarter thing happened, hmm. and then the Kickstarter thing sort of saw it through to the finishing line. Yeah. And uh, well, this story has been around for a long, long time. It is. And the, it, there's like that picture of Nick Cage in the suit has been circulating for years. That has. But I think what really started it was uh, Kevin Smith was. was Back mm. in 2002, with an evening with Kevin Smith, yeah, the very the, first the Q&A, Q&A. Yeah. and uh, Kevin Smith told the story. I think it goes on for about 15 minutes. He tells the story. Yeah, and I bring this up because in his interview segments in this film, he repeats the story on a very creepy level, almost word for word, mm. using very specific terminology and direct quotes, which. It tells you that it's either completely fabricated, but it's very well fabricated, or. Kevin Smith just has a really good memory. I think he just has a really good I'm memory. I'm inclined to believe either, to be honest. I'm, I don't care. He's I'll a, go with either. He's a very kind of great storyteller when it comes to just talking to people. <laughs> it's, it's very true. Yeah. However, John Peters, let's we have to discuss John Peters, because John Peters is the producer mm. who allegedly was behind this uh, everything that went wrong with the film. He was a hairdresser, and, uh, originally. He, he was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, turned boyfriend, turned movie producer, um, and also yeah. a street fighter with 500 fights under his belt. Which nobody knew until this film came out. No, because he he just casually drops these things out there. Yeah. And in case, did you know I'm a, a world champion bungee uh, jumper? No, yeah. I didn't. Know it's, that. it's that level yeah. of just 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 casually dropping <laughs> just, things in. Just drop it out there. And it, it, you could watch this almost as a fascinating character study in the personality of John Peters. I would like to see a documentary just about John Peters. I would in a yeah. strange way. But the weird thing is. What, what that then contributes to is you've got this documentary which is very, very well made and it's clearly a labour of love. It's a visible labour of love mm. on Schnepp's part. And Schnepp is this great, wacky, big head, yeah, sort of crazy eyebrow, yeah. you know, mad scientist glasses sort of a character. And he's clearly zany and a bit witty and loves what he is talking about. And as he says at the very beginning of the film, he's always been fascinated. Why did we never get to see Nicolas Cage mm. as Superman? And that's obviously what's driven this film. We're apparently getting another one uh, from another from another director, which is about the 
the uh, George Miller Justice League. One, oh yes, we are. Yeah, which that'll be good. Would be as interesting. Because that think. that got fully cast. As that well, went into production. Yeah. That did. Um, but in this case, you've got this film. So John Schnapp's behind it. He's put it together really, really well. Mm. And I'm not sure if it's a deliberate thing or if it's sort of an accidental result. But what he's come up with is a film that has this sort of 50-50 split between a war of words between Kevin Smith, <laughs> whose story we've heard a million times, yeah. and John Peters, who only seems to further bolster Kevin Smith's point. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, un- unintentionally. He unintentionally bolsters Kevin Smith seems to have more respect for John Peters and... Than John Miller, Peters, yeah. I think, even calls him a hack or an amateur. He does. He does call him at one point. Yeah. He, oh, he, was, he was a hack. He didn't know what he was doing. Okay, in fairness, right. he was 26. What did you really... He's 26 and yeah, he's just hired films. the dude who did more rats. Yeah. Like, you hired the guy just doing Chase and Amy. It's just it's a different film. And then you've got the other half of the film, which is, for instance, the behind-the-scenes behind the artists, art designers, mm. set designers, and Tim Burton. Now, Tim Burton... Who, for the record, having seen this movie, I now think could be played by Nicolas Cage in a biopic. Oh, yeah. Could genuinely oh, be played by Nicolas Cage. I would, I would watch that movie. Yeah. Instead of Ed Wood, it's Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Could, could work. <laughs> Get it directed by Tim Burton, even better. Do a whole Howard Stern Power Pass yeah. thing. And uh, so what we've got is the uh, the Tim Burton, John Schnapp stuff, which is incredibly interesting and incredibly yeah. articulate. And Burton... Seems to like he said. Look, it is quite painful to talk about mm. because he occupied so much of my life, so much time, he had so it, yeah. much time, and it all and it was heartbreaking when it all led to nothing. And then you sit and think, yes, but last time I checked, you got twelve million for it, regardless. So your heartbreak is a little bit. It's, it's cushioned. Mm. Yeah, it's not your, too bad. your heartbreak is somewhat softened. I would imagine. Yeah, he seems to be a little bit more open than what I would have thought. I really. thought he would be cagey and no open intended. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he, he was be totally intended. And that is something you do notice about the film is mm. that Nicolas Cage himself is suspiciously absent although I do now want to look up the episode of Unscripted that they use clips from mm. because that's all we get of Nicolas Cage really is his unscripted uh, appearance which is you know it's a Q&A yeah. kind of show but you then get the, the money shot of the film the whole thing the film is marked on which is we have the behind the scenes footage of Nicolas Cage as Superman we have yeah. him trying on the suit and discussing Superman that's what you that's what we're all queuing up to mm. see really and it is worth it it's fantastic the it, footage the image of the, the images you've seen online ignore them those are not those are like for 30 seconds in the film they were intended for 30 second yeah. shots weren't they like the regeneration of Superman yeah. the actual Superman suit was a lot more traditional in one sense yeah it had the actual S had it was yeah. the normal colours, the normal tones. It's probably more kind of moulded. That was it. Say, it was yeah. the moulded rubber of Batman, which is great. Was, yeah. really. But it was the yeah. traditional Superman suit, and even Nicolas Cage's hair, sort of the weird it wacky works. long wig. It works. Yeah. I never thought before I saw this documentary that I would want to see Nicolas Cage as Superman. I now do. I, I wish that was a thing. I wish that we saw. I it. do. Why can't we kickstart fund that? Because he's now 50. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I still want to see like, He could probably be Lex Luthor, which might be crazier. That, that, that's that one of my favourite things. I didn't realise that there was a plan to splice Brainiac and Lex Luthor. Brainiac and Lex Luthor. Lexiac. Yes, that was, yeah, that was in... That was yeah. in cause the script's on the internet. You can read the script mm, quite yeah, easily. Yeah. Because one of the things I always loved about the script is there is a, a corrupt senator named Senator Caitlin Bree. Which, if you're a fan of the Kevin Smith view of Scooterverse, is actually yeah. somewhat, it's actually a character in them. But no, well worth a look. It's available now on digital download. Mm. I think it'll cost you fourteen ninety nine, Something like that, yeah. Thereabouts. Uh, definitely worth checking out, particularly if you've ever wondered what this would have been like. Let's, let's end it by saying there would have been a movie in which Nicolas Cage, as Superman, and under the direct, direction of Tim Burton, would have punched Christopher Walken in the face. 
That's a movie you want to see. That's what if, you want to watch. Yeah, if that yeah. if that sentence doesn't sell the idea to you, then you're not a movie fan. This is this, not only are you not a movie fan, but this movie quite clearly is not for you. Yeah. So should we plug our uh, competitions real quick? So, yeah. What have um, we got going on? Well, this week we've still got the we've got the gallows and Ted two going on this week. So Wait, if you win an actual Ted, you win yeah. an actual talking Ted in the Ted two competition, and the gallows is a hoodie, you know, stage crew t shirt. There's a cool little okay. set of in ear headphones and a locker mirror notebook. And say, so you just go on to onscreenfilm.com competition all section, on there. all yeah. on there. You can enter on there. There's no question or anything. Just pop your details in on the site, and hey, presto, you might win something. You never know. Okay, our next review then. Should we have a look at The Gallows? Which uh, is, uh, yeah, I understand you weren't a massive fan. I wasn't a massive fan. This is the latest found footage horror film. So, you know, on that basis alone, I'm yeah. already not a fan. Um, the found footage genre is a genre that persists. It just persists. It, it will never end. And yet, I'm, I, you know, there's only like two or three examples of, of good ones in, in the whole little subgenre. So you've got The Gallows. Before we get into all that, you've got The Gallows, which is the story of... Bear with me, Case, because this is going to sound ridiculous. I'm ready. I'm right. sat down. <laughs> so you've got small town high school in, in Midwestern yeah. town America. Okay. Right. In 1993, we're shown through VHS camcorder footage. and there is a, the, the school is putting on a play. It's called The Gallows. It involves, wouldn't you know it, a hanging. It's a love story and there's a hanging involved. And the young actor who goes and puts the rope around his neck is actually accidentally hung and killed in front of an entire packed auditorium. Right? Oh, okay. That's, that's bad luck, though. That is bad yeah. luck. Flash forward 20 years, and this same high school has decided to do a commemorative performance of the same exact play. Yes, your eyebrow Poor taste. Yeah, Poor taste isn't exactly. It? You think, what? Who the hell? It's like wearing a Jurassic Park t shirt to uh, Jurassic World. It, it is. It's like wearing taste. that, yeah. I, I respected what they did. They just needed dinosaurs. In this case, they just needed gallows, man. Mm. <laughs> Turns out that was the problem. Oh. Um, yeah, it's incredibly poor taste. There's clearly no. PTA in this universe either and that kind of tells you from minute one what sort of terrain you're on with this film so 20 years later we've got this commemorative performance which has been put on by the school drama geek who's meant to be this sort of unapproachable stiff nerd type but in actuality is played by a complete fox because hey you know low budget budget horror and dot 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 movie Um, (laughs) this all culminates of course in, in said drama student her would be love interest who can't quite admit that he's in to her and that's why he's in the play his best friend and his best friend's cheerleader girlfriend all stuck in the high school overnight being hunted by apparently the ghost of the student who died on stage in 1993 here's a clip come on come on don't hang up don't hang up my phone it's in the locker it's in the locker my dad's calling you gotta get out. I can't bring it. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Hello, Dad. Who Dad. Is Dad. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm at this school. Dad. He wants me. He's coming for me. No! What is this stupid boy? So yes, the plot synopsis should right. have you. I mean, you. Visibly, I'm, I'm not sold. You're visibly <laughs> not sold. Uh, John Dickinson was more or less destroyed by this film. Mm. He was heartbroken. I understand he was actually quite looking forward to it. He was quite excited. He was, and I, I got back from London late last night and went to the. I went to this because I didn't get to. There was only one press showing of this. Would you believe? Only one. Having seen the film, I can now understand why. <laughs> well, as few people as possible to see. Yeah, I can understand why now as yeah. well. Um, 
This is really, really bad. But instead of just playing like a really poor movie, what it actually plays like is the greatest hits of really poor found footage horror movies. And the thing about that is it has this celebratory, yay, found mm. footage feeling. But you start thinking, you've, this, this subgenre has done nothing to earn this. No. There's no, there's no, there's no feeling of, of having earned this at all. And what you're left with is a by the numbers checklist of right. We've got to do this bit from that movie. We've got to do this bit from that movie. This bit from that one. And it is you can literally piece it together. It's like a from, pick and mix. Yeah. It is a pick and mix, and it's all stitched together and like a hangman's mask, funnily <laughs> enough. And then you get to the actual. I mean, bear in mind this starts on that concept of the school has put on the play from twenty years ago, which, as you pointed out, with no prompting from me, you have said that's in poor that's taste. In poor now, taste. Yeah. this is the thing: that's within five minutes of the film starting. You're already thinking oh, somebody would have an issue with that. Like, a character, if there were any actual characters in the film, would have exactly. takes some severe, like I don't know, like oh, umbrage. With it's so bad. But because the the core concept, you know, the school putting on the play, because that is so convoluted mm. and incomprehensible. That doesn't make for a great foundation upon which to then build an entire yeah. narrative because basically the ground is shaky to begin with. <laughs> You've then got this cast who seem to be like 99 cent store versions of other actors. So you've got this lead who seems to be like the cheap equivalent of Freddie Prince Jr. in 1996. You've got another one who seems to be like, uh, like they wanted a 15-year-old T.J. Miller, but what mm. they actually got was a 22-year-old skateboarder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a Hayden Panettiere type and then a Leah Michelle type. Mm. And, and you're just like, really? why didn't you just... Do you know what? As, as Those people as probably wouldn't is, have been that expensive to get. Exactly. Think, yeah. As bad as this is, why didn't you just go and get them? I mean, Fred Prince is probably getting on now. You well, think I mean, he is it, 40 yeah, and yeah. he's being kept busy by the WWE, so, yeah, which is the greatest bit of mm. you know job placement I've ever heard in my life. But what, what, is he, what does he do? He's the producer for the WWE. He oh, produces the storylines and everything for the WWE. Oh, That's Fred man. from Scooby-Doo <laughs> runs the WWE. Right, Great. no Vince McMahon. It's Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> it's basically Freddie Prince Jr. and Triple H. It's, it's the male nanny from the episode of Friends. <laughs> exactly, it's the manny. It's the manny. Right, but then this is the weird part as well. Say like the film, it, it's rubbish. It, it's completely rubbish. Um, it doesn't make a lick of sense either because having come out of the film, I was actually left with more questions than I went in with. It, it raised more questions than it answered in a yeah. strange way. And then you have this weird celebratory sort of tone to it. It seems to think that it is a celebratory mid-80s. You know what, towards the end of the of the first run of slasher films, hmm. when you start getting things like Terror Train and stuff like that, the yeah. really cheap and cheerful ones, it's like that, hmm. but made found footage, and then given this sort of injection of 1996 new line. But it clearly thinks it's better than it is. I mean, the, one of the first lines in the film is, wow, they did a good job with the gallows. And, wow, no. Yeah, and believe me, <laughs> nobody, I repeat, uh, nobody is ever going to say they that. They must have they've got a stink on their hand. You, exactly. can't, you can't have that kind of... Nobody's saying that about the now. film. No. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen.
Welcome back to off screen. So on to uh, the man events, I believe. Yeah. So Marvel are back, Mr. Lang, and Mr. Lang is upon us. So Marvel's latest Ant Man, mm. which reaches us after what can only be described as a particularly arduous production process. Yeah. Uh, during which, obviously, its director and writer and most of the behind the scenes staff yeah. left. Um, Composer left. Yeah, weeks Everyone, before yeah. shooting. And that was Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish in this case. Uh, what we now have is the version which has been put together in 12 months or less uh, by director Peyton Reed uh, with uh, Paul Rudd starring and co-writing with Adam McKay, Adam McKay yeah. who brought us uh, Anchorman as well. And a cast, a sporting cast which includes Michael Douglas as Marvel character legend Hank Pym. Yeah. Marvel, char- Marvel comics legend <laughs> Marvel Hank, yeah. Hank Pym. Uh, and Evangeline Lilly as his daughter, his daughter Hope. Hope. And Michael Peña as yeah. Luis. And let us not forget... Bobby Carnavale because of course, yeah, uh, he needs he needs all the yeah. hype in. Yeah, Co- Corey Stoll as well. I think Corey Stoll. Let's give him some props. Yeah, I love Corey Stoll. Yeah, he's doing a bit of his Jeff Bridges routine, but you know, well, you know, I think Ma- Marvel by guy with no hair. I mean, I think that's going to be just yeah. the case now. Right. So what you've got is the story of Scott Lang, who is a recently paroled uh, convict who basically is roped into performing one last job. You know, that token, <laughs> yeah. one last job. I'm pretty sure it comes in envelope marked, one last, one last job. job. Doesn't, but, you know. Might as well as. Re- assembling his crew, which consists of Michael Peña, for example, uh, to uh, steal an exp- what turns out to be an experimental suit, with which grants him the ability to shrink to ant-like size, mm-hmm. but with proportionally increased strength. So smaller stature, more strength. Turns out, though, this is all a ruse by... Michael, Michael Douglas's uh, Hank Pym to basically uh, establish that Hank uh, that Scott has what it takes to, to become the Ant-Man. to become the Ant Man. Genuine line from the film, yeah. I think. I want you to become the Ant Man. <laughs> huh. huh? That was my best Paul yeah. noise. That was a good one. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm working on my Michael Douglas. Um, right. But basically, the whole the whole crux of it is that Hank Pym wants to stop his former assistant. Uh, played by Corey Stoll, who I'm gonna go by the timeline that they've given given us, which would probably mean he's about 50 years old if you believe the timeline of the movie. Mm. Um, to stop his former assistant, the 50 year old Corey Stoll, uh, <laughs> from basically recreating the Ant Man technology and unleashing chaos inadvertently upon the world. Here's a clip. In the right hands, the relationship between man and suit is symbiotic. The suit has power. The man harnesses that power. You need to be skillful, agile, and above all, you need to be fast. You should be able to shrink and grow on a dime. So your size always suits your needs. When your small energies compress, so you have the force of a 200-pound man behind a fist a hundredth of an inch wide, you're like a bullet. You punch too hard, you kill someone too soft, it's a love tap. In other words, you have to know how to punch. I was in prison for three years, I know how to punch. Show me. Terrible. You wanna show me how to punch? Show me. This was one that nobody expected to be any good, I don't think. I think there was a lot of people, because it's very fashionable now to bank on Marvel to ruin it, really, to ruin the streak. Yeah, I think um, it's. It reminds me of uh, Pixar. Yeah, really? everyone was yeah. waiting for Pixar to drop the ball. And then Cars 2. And, and, and then, that's what it was. Well, I yeah. argued Cars 1 at the time, but. Uh, and well, I was never, yeah. Never sold on Ratatouille, actually, if I'm honest. Really? Never, oh, never sold on That's just you and nobody else, <laughs> I think, in the world. Well, I, I admit, I think, I think because it came out when I was at Union, I wasn't really in a Pixar okay, stage yeah, when I was at University, but uh, and then when I finished you, it was kind of about the time for Wally. So you know, swings so and roundabouts. Yeah. yeah, you know, I came yeah. back into Pixar. Well, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. People were just kind of thinking. Yeah, we all thought it, yeah. this was this was it. This is the ball dropping. I don't know. I I did have like a monochrome of of hope. I said that I thought because of how bad it could be, that kind of tells you how bad it wasn't going to be. Mm. And I was I was banking on it to be. Do you know what? All right. 
Now, I'm happy to say I thought it was actually very good. Yeah. Very really good. Very it. fun. And that's it. Fun. Everyone says, I enjoyed it, I had fun with it, and it's very funny. And that's a key word as well, funny, because of all the Marvel films, this seems to be an out-and-out comedy. Yeah. As opposed to Guardians, which was highly comedic. This yes. is an out-and-out comedy. This is a heist comedy. Yeah. You wouldn't refer to Guardians of the Galaxy as a sci-fi comedy. You no, you'd say it's like a space opera like Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've called it sort of a sci-fi adventure movie, is how I've referred to yeah. the Guardians. I've called sense, it sci-fi, yeah. but I've also said highly comedic sci-fi adventure. Well, in this marketing, is... we're all saying that this is Marvel's heist film. And yes, it is. that is the kind of central. Well, that's it. It continues happens, yeah. that genre, that genre yeah, let's take a genre, thing yeah. they've done. You know, but they did Captain America with the seventies yeah. thing. Uh, Thor did the Game of Thrones. Cap One was like a war film. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, and it carries it on. And we've got the heist movie now. But the out and out comedy thing is more remarkable than the heist thing. The out and out comedy actually works surprisingly works really well. well. Because the comedy is kind of so thoughtfully thoughtfully constructed, it makes the actual Marvel Universe side of it almost work better because it's something we hadn't really had before. No. We'd always used, I think, we'd always relied on, on Robert Downey Jr.'s character, for instance, his Tony Stark character, mm. to be the comedic insight. Yeah. But as that's gone on, Tony Stark has become increasingly less funny. And He's had more darker storylines. That's really, it. Yeah. I mean, particularly by the time you got to Age of Ultron, the character is more or less unrecognisable now from where he started. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's nice to have a fresh sort of perspective on it. And the first everyman character, the first blue-collar everyman character... Yeah. That has kids That has well. kids. That's the yeah. first... That's a big milestone, and, really. And, yeah. and it is a film that has that. You've got uh, you've got Michael Pena, who's got this great, almost Nick Frost-like. Almost, sort of, yeah, I remember and you it saying is, that. And that's where you sit and think, I can see the Edgar Wright influence there. You can still see a lot of his tropes and stuff, even with some of the editing. Because oh, I know yeah. that's what people are saying. It's like saying, oh, I really, really miss the way that it would have looked if it was an Edgar Wright film. Exactly. But it's still got those tropes. It's still Matthew, got those I trademarks. I think it's close enough for us to have an idea of what we would have gotten. I mean, I did the interview with Peyton Reed, and he specifically said, look, I mean, the highest movie think that was Edgar Wright. He goes, uh, you know, the, the actual narrative structure, that was Edgar Wright. Mm. He goes, the, the relationship between so and so, that, and basically, that was Edgar, yeah. when you get down to it, it's still Edgar Wright's film. They just changed the dialogue. Mm. And it's not Edgar Wright shooting the shrink stuff. Well, which, weirdly, I think yeah. Peyton Reed was a pretty good choice. I think so as well. Yeah, um, he was actually on the shortlist to do Guardians. And you can kind of you see, can see why. Now, yeah. I don't think his Guardians would have been as imaginative as James Gunn's, but... No, but um, he's been one of those directors that he's always, he's always kind of threatened to do a superhero film. He was going to do Fantastic Four. Yeah, Do you remember? Yeah. Which I do think might have been a better idea, um, Look, judging by, you know, the upcoming marketing for Fantastic Four. Yeah. But, Less about that. Anyway, um, so oh, one thing we have to talk about in this film, the D oh. opens with a special effect, literally opens with a special oh, effect goodness, yeah. that is unrivaled by anything in the history of cinema. They have de-aged Michael Douglas for a 1980s set prologue to this film, which is unbelievable. It really it looks just, like... It looks like you're watching Romance of the Stone. Like, That's what it, it really does. Like, yeah. Forget Jeff Bridges in Tron with his dead-eyed, no-lip-moving... You know, that mm. was yeah, it's awful. This, oh my God. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Reed was joking that Michael Douglas may have tried to buy the technology. <laughs> <laughs> tried to buy the company that did yeah. it. And Michael Douglas is cracking jokes about wanting to make a Romancing the Stone uh, prequel, mm. but uh, an Ant-Man prequel. But I think he oh, should. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Michael Douglas should buy the company, get Kathleen Turner out of retirement, and oh, give us Romancing again, the yeah. Stone 3. Um, a lot of fun. I did enjoy this film. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I was laughing. I was cheering. So with a packed audience, everybody was doing the same. I don't think anyone did 
disliked it. The worst I've heard anyone say is it was all right, but that was in a minority, and that person was trying to be pretentious. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. You had a lot of fun with it. Did you I, see it? I really loved it. I saw it in IMAX IMAX effects with yeah. the shrinking. With the shrinking. The, Brilliant. The whole from the bathtub going into the club scene. It, it was exactly. absolutely incredible. Do see it. I mean, it's also um, very tidily packed into just under two hours. It's about an hour 55, something. Yeah, like. which is very different for a month from Thor nowadays. Thor 2 yeah. did that. Thor The Dark World did that as well. Mm. Uh, but it felt longer. This feels yeah. feel, feels strange like a 90-minute superhero film. Yeah. And you know what? For all intents and purposes, that's what it needed to be. Yeah. So should we crack on with the box office top 10 for the week then? Yeah, let's do it. Number 10. Starting us off, we have uh, Song of the Sea, which I've not seen, you have seen. Did you not get around to seeing this one? I still haven't. I will I will watch it, because I really enjoyed The yeah. Secret of Kells. I, I had this that. pegged as, as, as the kind of film you would enjoy, to be mm. honest. Because I, I'll be honest, at first I thought it was a Studio Ghibli film, in which case I thought... It's got that look. Case will be there day one. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I did enjoy it. Um, I, I think... It's not particularly for young children, but it has a very mythical fairy tale like quality to mm. it. It's not a big name cast, save for Brendan Gleeson, but visually it's amazing. It's really something to behold. Um, I thought it was a really genuinely beautiful film. Mm. Number nine. This is a film that I was there for the opening day. Um, Paul Dano and John Cusack, A Love and Mercy. Ah, yes. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. this. I thought it played around with the biopic thing just enough. I made it more about the characters rather yeah, than... flitting between the two time periods. That's it. Yeah. But Paul Dano's half of the film is more interesting than You'd the You'd like John to Cusack's. watch an entire film of that. Yeah. That's it. I would rather have seen the, the Paul Dano story of how the Beach Boys, you know, became you know, mm. the, the artists that they were rather than, you know, the later years of Brian Wilson. <laughs> Number eight. Okay, moving down, we have Spy. Yeah, what's left to say on Spy? Because it's six we, weeks We like to talk about it every week. It's we say we love Statham, Les McGuffin was good, Peter Sefanowitz, not so much. That's, that's our standard. Works for me. Cool. Number seven. Empire is still hanging. <laughs> <laughs> it still is. Empire Strikes Back, Secret Cinema. I think everyone on the planet's seen this. Uh, I hope so. Well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave that one there. Number six. Moving down, um, we have uh, the Amy Winehouse doc, Amy. Now, I really love this. Did you get around to this I still one haven't yet? seen it. I am going to watch it. Really moving documentary. Yeah. Really, a lot lot more to it than you would have considered. And I think that's because I went into it forgetting that it was Asif Kapadia. Yeah, the guy that did Senna, yeah. yeah. And what you're left with is a documentary that not only has a story to tell, not only has a story of different arguments and positions to tell, but also makes important points on, I think, the societal view of its subject as well. Mm. So it has things to say about you know, treatment by the tabloid, how we as a culture view celebrity, things like that. And I thought, actually, that's that's quite an impressive thing Mm. to do. I would argue that now that it's been done in the case of Amy Winehouse, it shouldn't be done again. It's an area... I would say, is it going to, like, begat more... I would, Similar yeah, I would hope not, and we don't really need to say. But we don't need this in fifteen years' time called Kim, and you know, with, with Kim Kardashian. Yeah, yeah. we don't need, don't need that. that. No. Number five. Magic Mike, uh, extra extra large. <laughs> is that actually the title? Is it Magic Mike extra? I just, extra large? I just never. That's XXL? how Wilson said it last week, and that's how I always say. You're going to call it from now on. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I really enjoyed uh, mm. XXL, um, but I've, I've actually seen five minutes of it now. Oh, have you now? Uh, yeah. Well, this, I don't. I don't think it's a film that you're going into expecting a really deep narrative. But it is Showgirls for Girls, which is what you thought the first, the first one was going to be. be, and it wasn't. But it, it, wasn't. Was, it was a Soderbergh film, which of course was he directed it. He wrote it. Mm, Soderbergh. <laughs> Did you see the, uh, the, the the honest trailers for Magic Mike? That was mm, quite fun. That was great. But uh, no, you. 
with with Magic Mike XXL, like I say, you can fit the plot in the back of a matchbox. Yeah. It's not an incredibly deep film, but you know what? It's a lot of fun. And if you go and see this on a Friday night in a packed cinema, all there's the, gonna be an atmosphere. The, the atmosphere yeah. will sell it to you. And you know what? That's great. If if that's mm. the destiny for it, I'm fine. It's going to be inevitably finding its legacy on, you know, girly nights. That's this it, is, yeah. This is gonna be the film that gets watched. We'll have an Anne Summer's Night and then exactly. stick on Magic this Mike is how Anne Summer's nights are gonna end and you know it's gonna be watched by groups of five women or more, you know, with empty bottles of Blossom Hill on a coffee table in the living room. <laughs> this is, you know, all in lounge pants. This is how, this is how the film is inevitably going to end up. And you know what? More power to it, I say. Number four. Film that has absolutely zero atmosphere. Terminator <laughs> Genesis. 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 <laughs> this is the weird thing. I, I, I finally got to watch uh, Terminator again a couple of weeks ago, and then it was on yeah. telly this week. Um, so well, oh, no, the, the first one? The first one. So it wasn't on telly. I was stuck on a train, and it was on my iPad. I thought, oh, screw okay, it. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. It on, yeah. And... I cannot for the life of me get over how well-constructed a horror B-movie, sci-fi horror B-movie the original mm. is, and how you then have such a surprising sequel. And oh, because, yeah, of Because course, yeah. the sequel almost reads as if it was set up intentionally nearly a decade earlier. And, you know, those two films are so perfect. And then you get to Terminator 3, which they didn't know what to do with it. They basically tried to replicate Terminator 2 and cop on an ending. And the ending is the most remarkable thing about Terminator 3. You then got Terminator I can't even the ending. I Judgment can't... Day. Essentially, yeah, right. Judgment okay, Day yeah. happened. You were like, oh, okay, cool. We finally, oh, yeah, that's okay, that's cool. Yeah. And then logically, the next one was Terminator Salvation, which is Christian Bale doing some growling in the future, doing um, some growling in yeah, real yeah. life as well. Literally, at one point, goes, this is John Connor. Yeah. Literally, goes into a microphone. This is John Connor. If you bounce, guy, blah, blah, blah. Oh, 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 <laughs> just oh, inaudible noise. All right, John. Yeah. All right. That great bit when Bryce Dallas Howard says, like, you know, what should, what should, I, what should I tell you? A bit? Tell them I'll be back. No, what? what? Like, but you're not. Like, as far as you know, you're not. It doesn't make any sense. Then, you know, he's driving his car, which didn't exist, you know, at yeah, that yeah. point before Judgment Day, but because of product placement does. Mm-hmm. So you can play some Guns N' Roses. But awful film. And then you've got this, which is not quite as awful as Salvation, but at the same time, worse than Terminator 3. Yeah. With a Terminator which makes increasingly less <laughs> sense, a plot which makes even less sense yeah. than that, and an entire concept which feels like a TV pilot. Mm. And, I remember you saying that to yeah. me. Yeah. And by complete coincidence, actually happens to be the plot of the pilot of the Terminator yeah. TV series from nearly ten years ago with mm. Lena Headey. Yeah. And you know what? That TV that TV pilot better than Terminator Genesis. Number three, Jurassic World. Right. I have I, I have a complaint. Have you got something else? I have else? a complaint about Jurassic World. I have, I have now seen this three times. I started rewatching it the other day, actually. So right. I, I too rewatched it. Now, right, I finally found a very large flaw in Jurassic World. Uh, one that isn't nitpicking, because a lot of people are going, ooh, it doesn't yeah. make sense. That, don't care. Is it not the militarised dinosaurs? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the militarised dinosaur thing is just funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just funny. And I will never get over the fact that, uh, you know, Dr. Wu is, in fact, basically, mm-hmm. you know, Korean Val Kilmer. But uh, he is. Yeah. He really, if you dressed Val Kilmer... BD Wong. BD Wong is Korean Val Kilmer, I'm telling you. <laughs> But even down to his turtleneck, <laughs> Steve Jobs like turtleneck. Yeah. Uh, right, so BD One, coming back to BD One. Right, it's not rewatchable. That is the flaw with Jurassic World. It has nowhere near the rewatchability yeah. of even the other sequels. Like, is this including number three? Including number three. Number three, yeah. you sort of enjoy, but actually, you settle into it. 
I don't yeah. think Jurassic World is as rewatchable as any of the first. Do three. you need a massive screen to really, really I enjoy it? I think so. I think you need more of a gap of time with this than you do the others. And mm. I say that because ITV Two have seen to it; they have made it their mission in life <laughs> to ensure that we, as a society, know exactly how it feels to see the original three Jurassic Park movies at least once a month. Mm. And we know how that works. We know how rewatchable those movies are. Jurassic World is not anywhere near as rewatchable. That is my flaw. Number two. Ted two. Straight in. You know what? It was fine for what it was. It was funny than I expected yeah. it to be. I didn't realise it was uh, after credits. There is, there yeah. is, there is a post-credit sequence. One of the best sequence. bits. Yeah, there's a oh, post-credit yeah. sequence, which most people won't know about. You stick around after the credits. It is worth seeing. Yeah. Just a little gag to laugh it's about like on the way home. It's like a 20-second gag. Yeah, it's all in silence as well. It kind of works. But the film is funny. <laughs> it does what the first movie did, but it's a more sketch-oriented uh, orientated yeah. style of comedy. It feels like three or four episodes of Family Guy. Exactly. It's a road trip episode of Family Guy. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. One of the road to... One of the Brian and Stewie... That's yeah, it. Yeah. It's a Brian and Stewie uh, mm. road to episode of Family Guy. Yeah. Number one. And so, sticking at the top spot, Minions. Now, did you ever get round to seeing this? Uh, no. A friend of mine took his kids to watch it today. Uh. Yeah, it was... It was good. No, I like it. I, now a lot of people kids are quite snooty kids about it. it. I, kids are going to love it, yeah. and because there is something in a contemporary context, um, you know, iconic about the minions, and yeah, perfectly understandable. They are great characters. They are a lot of fun. And this movie is a lot of fun as well, and it is wacky and zany, and it has that Looney Tunes aesthetic and does the whole supervillain thing <laughs> that the first Despicable Me did quite well. This is better than Despicable Me 2, but still not quite as, as reach number one. soulful and heartbreaking as the first Despicable Me, which I think is a genuinely beautiful film and a modern classic. Uh, on to our final film of the week then. So Selfless, which is the latest from uh, director Tarsim Singh. And we were just saying, you remember when he was yeah. just Tarsim? He was just Tarsim. Just Tarsim. Yeah, like, for Vassell and... Was he just Tarsim for uh, The Fall as well? I don't remember in that case. Did I don't grow, remember in that one. a surname. But uh, I know... because. To the Cell was 15 years ago with Jennifer Lopez, and that was when she was that, first yeah. trying to go gritty, mm. you know. And it had uh, that had our favorite like uh, that had our favorite di- dinosaur militarizer in it, didn't it? Oh, D'Onofrio, yeah, D'Onofrio, yeah. You know, uh. Vincent, I militarized raptors, D'Onofrio. <laughs> He crops up in everything now. He does, with his militarised raptors. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this latest one, which has a sort of uh, Looper-type feel about it, really mm. wants to be Looper, it's the story of a dying property tycoon, uh, played by Ben Kingsley. He's, he's got terminal cancer, he's on the way out, but he's not quite willing to go down without a fight, so he turns to an exclusive and very shady uh, medical practice who um, are exclusively deal in a practice called shedding in which they take a perfectly healthy mind from an unhealthy body and transplant it into a specially grown uh, health, young healthy body. Mm. In this case Ryan Reynolds. So if you want to know how to look like and have the physique of Ryan Reynolds apparently it costs $250 million and involves a brain transplant. You know what? Worth it. <laughs> no sooner has Ben Kingsley, yeah. no, no sooner has the Mandarin become Deadpool than uh, it, he quickly discovers that something's not quite right about his new shapely form. And there are some flashes in his head which point to a deeper mystery surrounding the origins of his new body. Here's a clip. What you're claiming is simply impossible. You remember in New York when I asked you about shedding? I have never met you. Me, Damien. I don't know what kind of con you're running, but I'm not biting. That's it. I'm calling the police. Judy, please put the telephone down. I'm starting to understand why your maids keep quitting. What is it? 
The original deed to 144 Plimpton Street. The first building we ever bought together. Do you remember the night we signed the papers? We went to Charlie's kitchen. There's a brunette sitting in the corner. I want to talk to her. She's been staring at me all night. But you stopped me. You already closed one deal tonight. Don't, Don't get, get greedy. greedy. So as I say, this really wants a slice of the looper pie. And uh, weirdly, you watch it and you think, actually, it is kind of strange that for all the style that The Cell had, you know, a mm. decade and a half ago, really, Tarsum isn't isn't throwing in much more than Ryan Johnson did with Looper. If anything, yeah. Looper is actually a more stylish film. I think it's a very stylized It is. Looper's a Looper, lot yeah. more stylish than this. Well, also, Looper has got its own world. And it has. Looper's also more interesting than this. That this doesn't is, shock me. <laughs> yeah, this is very, very run-of-the-mill. By the time you get to the third act of this film, it has kind of burnt itself out. You do. I mean, it's not helped by the fact that there doesn't seem to actually be any characters Mm. in the film. They just, I mean, particularly in the case of, you look at like Ryan Reynolds, for instance, in this film, and there there is a sequence in which Ryan Reynolds is having a car chase, and you just think, why am I bored? Like, why am I not interested? Mm. Why do I think Ryan Reynolds looks ridiculous with that very flat hairdo? What's going on here? Why am I not at home in my pants watching TV? What's wrong with this? Why is Ben Kingsley Deadpool? <laughs> exactly. What's going on? You know, and you just don't think it's because basically this is an this is a role that literally anybody could play, and the only requirement was a certain physical aesthetic. They had mm. to be sort of young, and for, for argument, so you could have Matt Bomer to do this film, and, yeah. it, and it would have played just as well. You could, have, in fact, you could have got literally any member of the cast of Magic Mike XXL <laughs> to, to be, including Kevin Nash, including Kevin wow. Nash. <laughs> now that's a version I want to see. <laughs> Selfless with Kevin. <laughs> Talk to Edipens, see if he can produce that. Well, let's, hang on, hang on, let's keep the comic book thread going. Yeah. In that version, the Mandarin becomes the Russian from The Punisher. Boom! Oh, yes. There it is. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> nerd moment aside. But uh, the problem is, you just don't care at any point. The big twists and turns are so obvious and mm. phoned in. You can see them from a mile away. You can see them, you, not just a mile away, you see a third act twist from literally five minutes in the film. Mm. Like over something that should should be considered quite innocuous, but it's so out of place. You think, oh, okay, well that's going to come up later. It's like Wayne's World with the stacking of the watermelons oh, yeah. and the yeah. chickens and the sheet of glass. <laughs> you just, you know, oh god, I hope that's going to pay off later. It's exactly that moment. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing, and it it just doesn't quite come together. No. And throughout of all throughout it all, you're thinking. It's kind of slick. It's kind of cheap and cheerful. And yes, it is the most recent. It's only the most recent example of Hollywood trying this Twilight Zone style mid budget sci fi thing. You know, like yeah. Limitless and Gamer. Mm. And you know what I mean? These, I know these what you mean. My, not micro budget, but mid budget, 40 to 50 mil type Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah, not quite like A list star, but. Yeah. yeah bank, know, they're not, kind of bankable yeah, people. They're not yeah. chucking in Jupiter Ascending money, but they are doing looper money. Yeah. You know, they're throwing some looper money. We're going to get a dread or a looper or a yeah. you know a gamer or a limitless out of it. Fine. You know what? I'm all for it because at least it's not a massive Hollywood film with massive stars. That's too over the top. It's a small scale, relatively stripped down, pacey thriller. 
it just happens to be kind of average. But for the type of film that it is, you think, okay, fair enough. It's it's not offended me or anything. It's a disposable enough. It, the yeah. biggest complaint Kill I have. Two hours. That's the thing. Yeah. The only complaint I can really chuck at it, other than the fact that Ryan Reynolds could literally be played by Chris O'Donnell and no one would notice. <laughs> um, that's how that's that's how innocuous it could be. Sam Worthington, you wouldn't care. Jai Courtney, oh, Jai Courtney, you Jai Courtney could next. do this. I knew Oh, Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, yeah Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman yeah. Scott Eastwood could do it. You know. In fact, Liam any, Hemsworth could Anybody do. from Suicide Squad, but it's not Will Smith or Joe Yeah, anybody from Suicide Squad who isn't Margot Robbie. Yeah, you know, one, one of the famous bankable ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyone from Suicide Squad that you could hire for a hundred grand would do yeah, this yeah. movie. Um, but that's it. It is over long. At an hour 57, it is too long. If this were 90 minutes, perfectly fine. I will give it one genuine compliment, though. What's it's that? got Victor Garber in a pretty decent supporting role. Oh, cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I like Victor Garber. Oh, I wish he was in more films. There's an episode of Frasier that he's in. I love But for me, he's yeah. always Jack Bristow from Alias. And he's oh, course, so yeah. terrific in that role. But he has popped up in a couple of films over the years. But I wish mm. he did more. And this is, this is an example as to why. A final dose of film news then to send us on our way. Mm, I do for the love week. a good bit of film news. A good bit of film news. Well, you're going to love this one. Have you heard about Miyazaki's uh, 3D short that he's doing? I've actually not heard about this. No. Tell uh, me right. Is it Hayao Miyazaki? I was Hayao. I was Hayao. I think it's spelled Hayao. But just call him Miyazaki because that's all anyone calls him. Yeah, Miyazaki. Yeah. So Miyazaki is creating for the Studio Ghibli Museum in Tokyo mm. a computer generated 3D animated short. Uh, there's no word yet on whether or not this is going to be released anywhere in the world, but, but there. there is going to be an exclusive wow. 3D CGI short by Miyazaki in the Ghibli Museum in Tokyo. See, this is interesting because he did formally announce that he was packing it he in, did, but yeah. he was done. Well, you can argue that. You know what? He's kept to his word because it's just a short. It's a little thing. Sure, for the, yeah. It's for the museum, which he's such an intrinsic part of. Then, mm. yeah, why not? Oh, the, the San Diego leak stuff. We, we haven't talked oh, about this. Oh, we need this. to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. so okay. much. So if, if anyone doesn't know... A lot of gold, know, yeah. yeah. If anyone doesn't know, he, here's how it went last weekend. They did the Comic-Con panel in San Diego for Batman Superman. Mm. And then Warner Brothers did. And then they immediately released the footage from that panel online for all to see. Now, if you were me, that meant that you were going to go to bed that night crying in the fetal position because it's an awful trailer for what's clearly going to be an awful movie made by people who I don't think understand what Batman is outside of a series of PlayStation games. I I think the Superman thing is still... The Superman thing's still pretty raw for me, but yeah. to each their own. Get some colour. But this was <laughs> exactly. But this was made worse by they then did the Suicide Squad panel, mm. and there was footage shown, and, and that footage. Well, that's it. They, they did not release the footage. Mm. What then happened was camcorded bootlegged version of that footage finds its way online is watched by four million people something like that yeah to which you think wow you should really be celebrating that one yeah but let's not forget this is warner brothers we're talking about and not as happy a girl lucky as marvel yeah they're not quite that cheerful about it and they put out what can only be described as the most passive aggressive press release you've ever seen in which they basically said here you go you ungrateful gits here's the footage in hd Three days later, <laughs> and yeah, I it's, watched it and it didn't make it any better. No. But that, that no, yeah. I did read it. No, it's kind of like living with someone and they have like like some biscuits and you have a couple of their biscuits and then they buy you some biscuits, like some really rubbish ones. Yeah, it's so kind of like, like oh, there, yeah. you, you wanted some. It, Just, that, yeah. it does feel like that, doesn't it? What it's I really loved. Aggressive. That, that's yeah. it. But what I really loved was um, the Deadpool footage got leaked online as well. Oh yeah. How do you think uh, that went down? 
uh, like an absolute storm. Well, I mean, the footage the footage was greeted. I mean, it's worth noting that all of these leaks, right, mm. everyone liked everything. Even the Batman Superman trailer, tremendous applause online. The Suicide Squad trailer, everyone loved it. Mm. The Deadpool footage, everyone went nuts for it. And do you know what the response was to that leak? What was it? Ryan Reynolds went out and said, tell you what, three weeks' time we're going to release it in HD. Until then, enjoy. Amazing. And you think, wow! Yeah. Okay, Ryan Reynolds, I'm glad you're not that bland. Team Deadpool's marketing campaign has been fantastic so far. Yes. Just the things have been put in, just on Twitter for the cast has been wonderful. We think there is actually yeah. almost limitless marketing potential for Deadpool. Given that he's a fourth wall, fourth wall, yeah, he's talking straight. You to know what I would to, do yeah. with that if I were Fox? What's that? Whenever I was, I would put out fake trailers, like for real films. Mm. So what are they? Say Fantastic Four. I would actually yeah. put out an alternative Fantastic Four trailer, in which, in like <laughs> ten seconds into it, Deadpool just strolls in, starts talking to camera, and goes, "Hey, <laughs> forget these guys. I've got a movie <laughs> out next year." Yeah, uh, it's going to be, be way better than this. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> if you can't wait that long, you need some comic book stuff, just enjoy this in the meanwhile. I'm going to go back to my thing now. You enjoy the Fantastic Four. And he leaves. That mm. would be my trailer. Oh, that'd be great. And you know what? Ryan Reynolds would do that totally. He loves that character. He would do it. He does love it. You can, you can tell, can't you? Yeah. He's got genuine like, love and respect for that character. Green Lantern, meanwhile, we have an answer to the who's going to play him. The answer is multiple people. <laughs> because uh, we have a title. Because we have a title. Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, so, I like that title. It's, yeah, it could work. It's good. But we've got to wait five years to see the bloody film. Y- yeah, yeah. Th- there is that about it. But uh, Oh, um, James Franco. We've got to wrap the week up with James Franco. <laughs> we've got to start the show, we've got to end the show. <laughs> exactly. James Franco is going to team with author Anna O'Reilly to... Uh, sorry, with Anna O'Reilly, the uh, producer, sorry, not the author. Uh, the author is Alex Marwood. Um, to produce and star in adaptation of Alex Marwood's novel, The Killer Next Door. Because you're James Franco, what else are you going to do? It's another week, I'm going to make a film. Let's... Yeah. yeah, I don't know, he's becoming like the, the the weird sort of Beverly Hills bar scene version of Dwayne Johnson, isn't he? I think that happened a while ago. <laughs> quite clearly. <laughs> right, so, uh, we should have a look at, uh, at next week. Next week's going to be quite interesting. We've oh got, yeah, we've so... got, some, got some interesting Well, next week, there. Maggie. Maggie's yeah. finally out next week. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, does, I have seen. Have you seen the film? I uh, no, but I am. I am going to watch it. Right, it is not what you expect it to be. This is Schwarzenegger does zombie horror drama, and and that is the description. Yeah. That's a, that's the best. Well, it was, description it was for released. It. Uh, was it Sundance or was it South by Southwest? It South by Southwest. South Southwest. Yeah. We also have next week Inside Out, which is so excited. It is. I, I was at the press thing yesterday. Mm. Do you know what I found out? By the way. Uh, that Amy Poehler is a total babe. She's a fox, and there is yeah. such a thing as formal hot pants, genuinely. Um, I also found out, though, from producer Jonas Rivera, uh, mm. who produced the film, that the name of the musician is my, is Michael Giacchino. That's how oh, you say his name. Giacchino. It's Michael Giacchino. Not Giacchino. No, it's Giacchino. That's how you say his name. We are now corrected for all times. Inside Out is upon well, us now next we know. week. Now we know. Uh, we also have The Legend of Barney Thompson, which is... Uh, Directed by, directed by and starring Robert Carlyle as a sort of oh, contemporary yeah. version of Sweeney Todd, setting in Glasgow, I think. Oh, and of course, Southpaw, a film I am dying to see, mm. directed by Antoine Fuqua, starring Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal, and written, most impressively of all, by Kurt, Kurt Sutter. Sutter. I can't wait. Kurt Sutter of Sons of Anarchy. Of fame. Course, I can't yeah. wait. So... All of that to come and more next week off screen. Uh, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been uh, Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com.